Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Behind the Movement. I'm Kyle Fincham. My guest today is Tracy Kafer. Really excited to share this conversation with you. Um, I just have one announcement, uh, and it's that there's a whole bunch of Infinite Play workshops coming up. Um, I'll be in the United States and Canada doing workshops in May, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, in Long Island, New York, and Toronto. And then after that, I'll be headed to Europe, where the tour will start off in Salzburg, followed by Berlin, and then Paris, and then we'll be off and running until the beginning of August. There's early bird pricing for all of those events. Um, Those ones in May, the early bird pricing is ending in just a few days on May 1st. So uh, if you're planning on coming, you should sign up and save a few bucks. I would love to have you there. For all the info, you can just go to kylefincham.com. And that's it. That's my one announcement. Lots of infinite play, and I'd love to see you there. Uh, my conversation that I had was with Tracy Kafer. Uh, a number of people have recommended that Tracy and I connect, and it actually turned out during our conversation that I realized a number of people had told her that she should connect with me. So uh, we finally made it happen, and it was uh, as if we had been friends forever and were kindred spirits. Um, so maybe keep an eye out. Maybe the two of us will, will collaborate on something in the future. If you're not familiar with Tracy, let me give you a little bit of her background. Dance uh, was her first love, and she began at age three and went on a journey through well over 30 years of training and experience in classical and contemporary genres. She's moved through these landscapes of student, performer, nationally ranked competitor, world traveling teacher, New York based choreographer, and in the last decade alone shifted passionately and purposefully to the realms of the explorer practicing and facilitating her own ever-evolving freestyle movement methods to become untethered from genre, style, convention, and apparatus. She believes that if you can move, you can dance, and in honing that process as a life practice, you can live in a world of personal awareness, connection, and freedom. Tracy created Finding Your Freestyle in 2012, a movement and lifestyle enterprise that encourages freedom in movement, expression, creativity, and community. Tracy has facilitated workshops and intensives in the Find Your Freestyle methods internationally and has fostered a global community of freestylers who regularly utilize the practices in their own movement, creative endeavors, and life. In the last six years, Tracy has hosted immersive movement retreats as well in New York, Sedona, San Diego, and Costa Rica. A true inspiration addict with an insatiable appetite for both the cerebral cerebral and esoteric, Tracy is currently studying to facilitate family and systemic constellations, practices integrative tarot and crystal work, is Reiki attuned, certified in hypno-constellations and floor flow, and and is a dedicated meditator bibliophile, and graphic arts nerd. Additionally, Tracy spends the other half of her creative life as a graphic designer and creative director for the world-renowned pole and aerial dance studio Body and Pole. In years, uh, in past years, she has worked with many other movement brands such as Elevated, Teacher Trainings, Black Girls Pole, Train P3, Body Binds, as well as Apple uh, as a software trainer. As I said, uh, this was really a great conversation and it felt like 
we had known each other forever. Um, I can't trace, thank Tracy enough for her time, and I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So, without any further ado, here is my chat with Tracy Kafer. I remember years ago, I mean, this is a long time ago, when I wrote a blog about the moment when Instagram went from 15 seconds to a minute mm-hmm. and how, or, or when people went from in our community, in the poll community went from YouTube to Instagram and went from like, you know, I'm going to freestyle for six minutes and we're just going to like juice through every movement that you do in your whole journey to like these clips and everyone mm-hmm. started clipping themselves. And it was years like that. And I think it had a, has had a big impact on movement for sure. Yeah. I think that people feel like they're supposed to like exist in clips. You know, and then I think it does a disservice to a lot of the people who are entering thinking that like everything's supposed to look and feel a certain way. And I don't know, it's just, it's not, that's not life. No. And then it it sort of becomes, I'm going to chase having that moment, getting that moment down. And then it, the idea of having a, a continuity or an experience is gone. It's like chasing something Mm -hmm. that doesn't really exist. Do you, yeah. do you, do you read much or do you read, are you into like reading a lot of books or anything? Yeah. My goal. Oh, my, my ball is hiding. Um, my goal is for my movement space to have like one of those obscenely tall piles of books. Uh-huh. So I've started it over there, but yes, I, I have, um, I'm kind of like Marlo in um, obsessively buying uh-huh. and reading, reading about 20% of uh-huh. what I buy. Okay. Yeah. There's a great book called, um, I forget if it's called amusing ourselves to death or entertaining ourselves to death. I want to say amusing. Um, And it's written in like the eighties. I forget the guy's name, but he was basically proposing that we were on our way to a world that was going to look a lot more like brave new world, as opposed to 1984, where we are going to give up our freedoms for pleasure. And at one point, that's very scary. (laughs) Yeah. And you see it, you know, I I don't know if you ever read Brave New World, but like, you know, the idea is like they take this pill called Soma that just like makes the pain go away and, or the discomfort go away. And we have a lot. This is a fictional sort of future, like, yeah, okay. I follow. And, and, and we have so many forms of Soma and, you know, the phone is one of them. Uh, But in this book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, he talks about kind of our, are, are, are slowly reducing interest in like long form presentations. And he talked at one point about the, the Lincoln Douglas debates and the format for those debates. It was like the first person would speak for an hour and then the second person would speak for uh, 90 minutes. And then the first person would speak again doing a rebuttal for 30 minutes. And an audience would sit there and watch two people talk for 90 minutes. And I think in, the, in, in what he was talking about was like, you know, those were like presidential debates. Yeah. And now we have these presidential debates that are like, you know, who says the best zinger? Like, you know, the best, like, you know, we give them like 10 seconds to say one thing. We're looking for the sound bite. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the same across kind of all things. It's like, everything is like, how do we make it sharper? How do we make it faster? How do we do it so that like we can scroll on to the next thing? And I don't know, like developing the patience to let things breathe, like being okay with like, you know, the change and the arc of things moving a little slower, lasting longer. Um, I don't know. That's, 
I, I keep saying it's more like life, but I think that that's just what, you know, like a tree doesn't grow like that, you know, things. Exactly. Are... Nature is, doesn't function like that. And we are from, you know, we're from nature. And so it's almost like we're um, ignoring and devaluing our own like innate natural pace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it feels, may I, can I curse here? Like it feels of like, course. it feels like shit actually <laughs> are um, kind of rushing out of that natural rhythm. It's something I've come to blows with a lot in my, in my life recently, I guess, like since COVID times, mm-hmm. it's become like, it sounds quite existential, but like my relationship to time feels like it needs, um, I need some recalibration and um, all, all, all of what we've been having to reckon with around slowing down and feeling like the, the, the temporariness of everything um, and how try, being, being in this sort of toxic culture of rushing and clipping and boxing and all of that um, makes it feel like there's not enough. And then that like not enough, there's not enough time, there's not enough time. It actually can kind of permeate my experience in my body and then then anxiety and then panic and then difficulty being directional and like all this stuff comes up around time. And I, I, I wonder about that, like how messed up, how we spend our time is then sort of devolving everything in a way, but I guess yeah. kind of, <laughs> it goes, that goes sort of meta. No, it's, 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 it's such a, it's such a big thing. It's also like deciding like when time is used properly right? Like there's like a cultural decision that like, you know, around, like, I don't know, this word productivity, right? So like, there, you know, time is supposed to be spent doing yeah, instead of, instead of not doing when, you know, in so many other times in history, the not doing was just as valuable as the doing. Yeah. It, it, and I mean, I don't, I don't curious how you found that in movement in, in your own moving practices. Mm-hmm. the 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 beingness of your body and yourself in time and space like it does is it a part of of your practice um yeah yeah it is because i for a long time was training really diligently in like a systematized way okay and you know it could be upwards of like three four five hours a day you know and there wasn't that space for like the being and like when you're just being like that's where kind of the space where boredom lies and i think we stigmatize boredom yeah oh yeah but i've come to believe that like boredom is like this really magical place that can be like the springboard to like imagination and that leads to creativity and so many things where i'm like oh well what if i do that come out of just the times where i just got to sit still and just Absolutely. Like boredom is where the impulses come or where a new impulse can come. And I, I don't know how old you are, but I was a child of the eighties mm-hmm. and boredom was like a part of my childhood experience. Thank God. Because, um, I, I wonder, like, I wonder about what is the inner world experience of a kid who's like a teenager right now. And they didn't really have that opportunity to cultivate like imagination and all that rich inner world stuff and how like what is their I'm so curious what their inner world is like what they have access to and how 
because I mean, obviously we're not privileged to know fully. We can't go and journey inside. Like you can see it to a degree on the outside, but boredom was, I I have so many memories of just like laying on the bed, like looking up and, and doing nothing for long stretches of time and all of these things moving in me. Yeah. I mean, you see it, like there's often photos of like people like in tribes in different parts of the world, right. Or like more like indigenous communities. And sometimes like you see videos or photos of them just sitting there, just still, just being. And like, it's like, we define it as boredom as if it's like a bad thing, but it's like, that's where that whole, as you said, like that inner working is going on. Yeah. But like you can't define what it is, but it matters. You know, I, I, I feel like we see it when kids like, uh, and I do it, maybe you do it now too, but like, I'm like you, like I'm, I'm a child of the eighties, but oh. now it's like when I, sometimes when I feel bored and set in, all I do is just like pick up my phone and be like, Oh, now I'm going to avoid the boredom. Yeah. It's so easy to avoid it now. Mm-hmm. And it's a, and it's a real tragedy because I think that like, we need to be creative now more than ever, more than ever. And, and boredom is a tool. It is a tool. I totally agree. And if, if you think about, if you skip the being part, as you, mm-hmm. you were describing in that, in that image of, of, of someone just sitting and absorbing or existing and doing nothing else, um, you know, quote unquote, of value, like almost everything comes from that to a degree, at least that's how I feel. And so mm-hmm. let's say you don't have that moment. Like what is, what is creativity then? Or like, what, what is, um, where are you moving from? When do you ever, where does awareness come from of what the heck is happening and what it is you're doing? I, like, I love stillness in my, in my um, classes and stuff, intentional pausing is like a big, big thing. Uh, and I've tried to say it a million different ways. Cause actually the word like stop or breath or stillness, or there's the words all have different like worlds underneath them. Um, so I play with that, but it's, it's an important part of movement. So even in a movement class, like that is a part for me, that's a valuable part of movement is the, the contrast of, um, no, well, nothing is actually happening for a little, a little while. What is that like? I think sometimes when, and maybe you run into this, like I'll, I'll approach some of these things and it's always, not always, it's sometimes it's responded I get responses like, like the, what is this for, or how is this going to benefit? Or it's always comes from that, again, like that kind of angle of like productivity and like the people who think like, oh, everything is to be hacked and to be optimized. So if I want to optimize, how long should I be still for? How long should I be bored for? What's like, what is like (laughs) the the minimum dosage so that I can like, you, you know, do the next box of things. And I, I, I struggle because I'm like, this has nothing to do with optimization. It has zero to do with that. It has to do with like, some of us may be wishing to see like a more creative community and culture. Some of us like wishing to see like us live in a way that's like more like a human animal participatory in like the greater community, which is like the world. And we just think like, oh, like that's, that, that matters. Yeah, you know, and it's hard because again, like people are like, well, how do I optimize? You know, doing it for the sake of optimization, which is like you know tightly intertwined with productivity. Mm. 
you know, because we're, when we're talking about creativity, it, you know, perhaps it could lead to innovation, right? And some sort of innovative technology that, you know, changes some sector of the world. But it's like, it's more about being creative to be, to me, to be like a citizen of the world. Mm. You know, like, because that that's part of like our magic and how we like navigate with each other and navigate with the spaces we live in and navigate within ourselves. Yeah. And, and what you say reminds me of the importance of like connecting and relating, yeah. like being a part of a larger system um, where the other one is so uh, individually focused, like what, what am I making? What am I creating? Um, there's, there's a separateness in it. So I hear that when, when you're talking about that, um, yeah, relating to other people and other things in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's something you think about, but I, I, I often think about the idea of like being like if create creativity is something like, or, or a magic or a value, you know, like what does it mean to be creative for us and not just for me? Right. It's so different. It's so different. I, um, if I may share, I, um, I'm currently studying something called uh, family and systemic constellation. Okay. And it's kind of like a group healing modality. Um, and so something that's been very challenging for me is to think systemically. So in these courses, in this training, um, I'm coming to it from like a lifetime of like the system of one focus, you know, like everything that happens to me, everything I'm challenged by, like I have to deal with it myself. You know, it, it's all this self, 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 self. And in this work, the work happens together. It's like a we consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that like what's going on in your body is actually in relationship with the systems you're in. And so I found it actually really difficult to unpack how I don't do that in my own thought process. Think about the system, um, whether that's like your family of origin or the places you work or your communities. Um, yeah, I don't even know what I what point. I just felt it just felt related. I don't remember what the point is of sharing that with you, but yeah, um, I think that that's like kind of like what we emerge from like culturally. Right. Yeah. Like I think I forget where I was reading it, but it was this really interesting that idea. Like most other times, like when we were in these like smaller tribes, right? Everybody's nervous system was kind of in like a similar place, you right. know. And when one person kind of like the symbiosis, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was like more intimate and more connected and more like interactive and more, or, yeah, just everybody kind of in 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 kind of like a dynamic working relationship as one. Right. So then like if some one person's nervous system started to like escalate, it was probably the sign of some sort of danger or something was happening. So it kind of brought everybody into like some sort of awareness. I wish I could remember where I read this, but it was the idea then that like, you know, you imagine being in a place like New York, you could be on the subway and you have like a hundred different nervous systems all having dramatically different experiences right. at that one time. Whereas like in these tribes, it's like everybody's kind of in the same, you don't have one like people up and down and fluctuating all over, but you are being influenced by these things that are happening around you. Like, you know, it's like- Yeah, but the way that we've come to deal with that is by like really shutting all these impulses down. Like mm -hmm. th that's almost too much stimulus to sit on the, the C train going north with all that going on. I, I, when I left the city, 
And I came back, I was, I realized, whoa, how much kind of numbing and guarding and uh, how much freeze was in my nervous system, just because you have no choice. It's like, how can, how can we really be with each other when all that, when there's just so much of that going on, just Mm -hmm. like a total overwhelm Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have existed in the smaller, in the smaller system. Right. And, and we, we haven't like evolution, like we haven't evolved to the point biologically to like keep up with that. Mm-hmm. Totally true. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I study um, was created, you know, it's sort of simplified to say it was created by Bert Hellinger because he was inspired by a lifetime's work of other people. And he also spent a lot of times in um, countries where there were, um, you know, people living um, in essence, the way you describe, you know, like indigenous folks. And um, he credits a lot of the systemic awareness to the fact that they live that way kind of inherently. And and we in the Western world have lost it. Yeah. 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 And we think that like, we have these like nervous systems again to like be hacked, but they're like nervous systems that exist to communicate. Right. Right. And it's like the same it happening system. in relationship with everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, like, you know, I, I don't know. That's why I think things like improvisation matter so much because it's all involves like uh, something in relation to something else, like you in relationship to space, to other people, to um, music, whatever it is. It's like, it's asking you to like, listen with yeah. your whole body. Right like create with what's around you, what's in you in mm-hmm. the present moment. Like you actually yeah. does, it, it's asking for a kind of openness. Yeah. So it's like, if something, even if something isn't moving or talking, like you're in communication with it, mm. you know, like the, the ground is helping you move. Like the, the, the pole is like holding you up. Right. And and you listen to these things. Like you have to just like really be, yeah, available to listen with all of your senses. So do you think that um, improv, what, what, what would be your, I'm, I'm, t- I'm asking you questions now, but you told me I could. Yeah, yeah, of course, you're always welcome. <laughs> um, what would you say are your, like, if you were going to define the values for improvisational movement, like you get to decide mm-hmm. the, the three values that are mm-hmm. most important, what do you think? What do you think they would be? Mm, well, I think that one, it, that ultimately it is like, it is life. Yeah. Like improv is life and it's exactly what we're doing the moment we start waking up. Yeah. You know, this is just kind of taking it and being like, oh, like how do we take the life thing and focus on it a little bit? So essentially we're all improving all the time. We're all improvising all the time. Absolutely. Right. So the control thing is an illusion. Like all of this is impromptu. Yeah. Your whole life. <laughs> yeah. So to me, improv matters because it's like, it teaches us to be more welcoming of surprise. Right. And uncertainty, um, which are to me again, like that's a falls under like the life umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. uh, which means that we have to be creative and adaptable and cooperative, right? Um, 
which are the, again, like to me, the, the qualities of being able to move through a world with surprise, knowing that there's going to be surprise, right. And being able to dance with it. And I think that would be my final piece is that when we improvise, it's, it's the idea of rolling with the punches. Yeah. Right. You know, in, in improv comedy, and I hate saying it. I'm sound so ridiculous saying it just because I come from comedy and people are, who don't do comedy. Are like, have you heard of the idea of yes? And, um, <laughs> but I'm going to say it now because the yes ending means that you're dancing with life. Right. Yeah. And when we're dancing with life, we're not trying to defeat life. Right. And I, and I believe that practicing improvisation has the potential to transcend like into how we interact with the world outside of like pick whatever context it could be freestyle. It could be open form. It can be rolling in jujitsu, anything that's like asking us to like play and also do it in a way where we're not always addicted to our competence. (laughs) And, and we might be able to move through the world with a different mindset where we're a little more playful with it and, not trying to, to, to beat it into submission. So I think we see that in the world. You know, I think that's like a lot of the types of societies we exist in and everything. Yes. Yes. And may I, may I, and you uh-huh. what's, what I think is so valuable in like, uh, approaching improv as a student of it and, and learning to practice it, um, is that it forces you to reckon with that. Mm-hmm. And so it actually exposes all the ways that you're not doing that. And I think when people are starting their journey, um, learning, you know, how to navigate it, how, how to freestyle, how to improv, what that is, how does that look in their body? What's their experience they want to have with it? Like is a journey of um, working through all the ways that you aren't dancing with life, all the ways that you can't be spontaneous, all the ways that you do attempt to control everything um, and so I've found that that I, I have a lot of respect for people that practice it and come to it hating it, but they show up and they're like, I'm here. <sighs> and I know why, because it's not like I'm going to come to class and learn these moves. It's like, no, I'm going to come and like really reckon with myself and the way that I'm moving through the world. And that's a, that's a big freaking thing to, to do. Um, and we can spend our whole lives never really being aware of that. Um, but freestyle like doesn't let you avoid it. Like if you want to sincerely practice it. So, um, yeah, that's beautiful. Even, yeah. I mean, even myself, like I've been doing it for what feels like forever and I still, it still brings me to the, the ways I'm not fully, um, willing to accept life, like willing to be with my life or willing to be alive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really asks you, tells you, you know, that you're imperfect and it tells you that things are impermanent, right? Like things are going to change. You're going to change. Um, It's always going to be different. It's always going to be different. Um, And yeah, reconciling with that is, is, is challenging considering like the culture that people are coming out of. Yeah. But you know, it's like, you, we, you know, I think we see really clearly what it looks like when people avoid surprise, right? Because then you're afraid and it can be how you treat another person. It's how you treat your body when you don't want to like be willing to be surprised, you know, you try to defeat and control it too. 
Yes. Yes. So, sorry to jump in, but that, that, that willingness to be surprised, like I have actually a lot of respect for the nervous system and I have a lot of respect for the, the traumatic things that everyone has experienced in their life and how difficult that actually can be. If maybe the surprises in your life have really knocked you off of your center. Mm -hmm. So like, I, why it's so brilliant to practice movement and to practice these sort of life skills, if you will, um, in a way that's maybe separate from life. And then I've, I've found that people start to notice how it's kind of mirroring, mirroring their experience in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's no, it's no small task to embrace the surprises, I think, because, you know, life is so unpredictable. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's like we have like a culture that's kind of telling us to put things in the boxes, right? Mm -hmm. And and to win, to win constantly. Like this is whole like society built around winning, right? Um, yeah. Like I take, I take like a tense breath when you say that. Like, yeah, I know that. I know that experience. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's so tragic because we can participate in, in a totally different way, you know? And I, I look at certain movement practices and they talk about kind of being a generalist practice, which is the idea of being able to like wear a lot of different hats and like go into a lot of different worlds, but some of them are still trained and practiced within boxes. So from a mindset perspective, like how do you expect people to think outside the box when you're practicing in boxes? Yeah. Do you think that we can be completely unboxed, like sustainably? I don't think it's a, it's about being unboxed. To me, it's more like a, it's that they're two sides of the same coin. It's like, you know, like the, the conscious mind and the unconscious mind or like the, yeah. the thinking brain and like the, the automatic brain. It's like they, they, they the order they and the chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I just yeah. feel like in, in our society, it's just like, I, sometimes I say like, people seem to think that both sides of the coin are heads <laughs> for, for all of these things. It's always just like, it's always heads. It's always like dramatically imbalanced. So sometimes, I don't know. I don't know if you ever have this experience. Um, but I like, uh, because of what I choose to present now, people are like, oh, like you don't do anything that has definitions or names or whatever. Like, you know, your, your whole philosophy is about doing it one way. And I'm like, not really. Like I still embrace the names and the definitions. I just think the scales are totally imbalanced and I'm just making a small effort to try to. Yes. Balance a bit here. Yes. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's a, there's a big hole there, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So when you, when, when you practice, like you do like really like long form freestyling. Um, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's a huge part of my practice. Um, and it's, it's the, the needle I'm always trying to push in, in, in folks who come to work with me too, mm -hmm. is like getting into that, uh, um, like pushing the threshold of how long someone's willing to, to stay with something and in, encouraging pockets of boredom and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that I also just dip my toes in when I need to move a little bit um, or that I can move through something quite, quite quickly. So it's, it's, it's both. Um, I do move for long stretches of time, especially if like I'm on a kind of a journey of sorts that's moving through the physical and the energetic and the emotional, like all of that takes longer. Mm -hmm. um, but I also love just like getting up in the morning, putting on a random song and moving for like, that's still, that's still medicine to me. Like just five minutes, two minutes, mm -hmm. whatever you got. 
but I do have a preference for um, like luxuriating in the time, like having plenty of time and space. Well, it's like the difference between going for a walk around the block and going for like a three hour hike, right? Yeah, they're both great. Yeah, both are awesome. Like they both do their thing. Yeah. But, but I, as you said, that there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of missing um, models for long form mm-hmm. uh, mo- models, being like people who who embrace it and do it and stand for it and offer it. Um, there's a lot more like quick, quick hacks, you know, uh, in, in the pole world, for example, one of the reasons I started doing what I was doing is um for many reasons, but one in particular is that freestyle was stuffed into this like two minute window at the end of class. Mm. It's like, okay, now it's time to freestyle. You get two minutes of a song. Many people play part of a song and then just like turn it down. And that's all you got for Mm -hmm. what felt like the most nourishing part of the whole freaking class. Mm -hmm. I also think that like with, with, there's so many words. I like that you, I love freestyle. Freestyle sounds like so cool to me. Um, I went, I went and took a, like a contemporary workshop in, uh, in Brussels and it was like called open form, you know, but there's always, there's always like, you know, a term for this thing. Sometimes I just say like free play or, or whatever, but I think people think that it's something to be learned. And I, and it's, I, I believe, I would love to hear your thoughts. I actually don't think it's something to be learned. I think it's something to be unearthed that exists in everybody. It's just been covered up because if you go into the park and you watch children, they are full blown freestyle, open form, free playing, and they will go, they will go for hours. We have that same potential. I just think we get in our own way based on like who we think we're, we're supposed to be. So do you find that if, if equality is like innately in us when we're born, um, that, that the process is more of a remembering than a, than a, a learning? I think so. Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's a reminder. And that's why I like things like, yeah. you know, the constraints and the prompts and the play are just like, they're just the gateway. They're just kind of like taking the broom and dusting off a little bit to be like, Oh, see what's always been there. Yeah, no, I love that. It reminds me of, so I I trained in meditation for this short little training with a guy named Jeff Warren. He's a fantastic meditator, writes meditations. Like I've never heard someone speak about consciousness the way he does. He's really good. His teacher is Shinzen Young. And the way that they sort of uh, talk about teaching or practicing meditation is sort of like two sides. One is do something and one is do nothing. And the do something is the meditations you see that are most popular in the Western world. It's like, okay, we're going to do the box breathing, or we're going to do this visualization, or we're going to hear this song. So there's um, something that you're doing in order to experience meditation. And then the other side of it is there's no intent. Actually, whenever you feel an intention, you drop it. There's nothing to do. There's no focus. There's no guidance. You're just sitting. Um, and I, 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 that reminds me of that when you talk about like, okay, structured improv versus, okay, it's something we already do anyway. So we don't need to learn anything. I feel like, um, you could go diff- both, both ways, you could just mm-hmm. walk in the room with no plan and 
you'll find your way, as you said, like the kid in the park, you'll find your way doing something. Something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's letting go. To me, it's the letting go of like thinking something's supposed to happen. Mm. Like when you stop thinking something's supposed to happen, then you can just enjoy what's happening. Right. And sometimes that might just be walking around your room. And that's as much improvisation as like watching someone do the craziest three minute performance ever. You're still both just living in that moment authentically. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if you've ever found this, but um, sometimes when a class, uh, you know, I don't call them classes, they're like sessions. Mm-hmm. When um, the permission is super wide open, I found that there's a percentage of folks that will just like lay on the floor. Yeah. Their body is so desperate for the permission to do nothing. Yeah. And like, they'll, they'll look more renewed than the person who like sweated it out and did all this stuff in their body. It's like mm-hmm. both super valuable. Both yeah. are just, both are just as authentic. You know, I think that, you know, because again, that's like, yeah. Again, like we get in our own way with like, you know, who we think we are, which means who we think, what we think we're supposed to do. Right. And that's where like things like aesthetics, like insidiously sneak in there. Like it's supposed to look a certain way or supposed to like, get a certain kind of attention. Right. Or, or yeah. this is who I am. So like, I want to, I want to appear to be a certain type of way when there's so many things and like, you could be playing, you could be dancing, you could be fighting. Like there's so many different places when it's just totally, it's just totally open, you know, but under the guise of certain games or constraints, which is the same right. as life, you know, like sometimes the game is like the sun is in my eyes and I'm walking down the sidewalk. And sometimes the game is like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> like this type of dance song is playing and I'm on like a slippery floor you know, or, or, or the game of my wrist is hurting. I don't know. Yep. You know, in the, I, I have to, to comment because I, um, I'm not like poll is just a tool for me now. It's not the main, it's not the main show anymore. I Mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the poll world and specifically in the niche of like free movement folks in the poll world, it's actually fascinating how boxed it is. Mm -hmm. Like there is an aim and the aim is to like, the is aesthetically driven or it's style driven. Um, and you watch someone get, get a con- kind of a, their own personal mastery in freestyle, but it's in this like pretty constricted way. Um, and so i I feel very interested in, um, like unpacking that as well, though, that in a free movement experience, like we're still bringing in all of those ideals, and like, it's a constant, um, I'd say it's like a constant journey to notice how you are doing that without even knowing you're doing that and getting mm-hmm. to a place where you can choose, like mm-hmm. where you, where you're aware of it. And you can be like, do I want to keep doing that? as I like it, or actually do I want to break my own rules? Like, what are these rules that I, that I'm just carrying in my practice? Yeah. Whether I like, like it or not. When you, when you mentioned that, it makes me think about it. earlier. I talked about that idea of being addicted to competence. Right. So sometimes like it happens everywhere, like in jujitsu, it happens. Right. Because people will play their game. Right. So like I'm not as familiar with jujitsu. Yeah. So like in the in 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 dance, it might be like you have your kind of style. Right. Right. So that's your game. And that's like your safe zone. So you might be kind of improvising as in like you're doing something unscripted. 
but you're still like kind of doing the 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 role or the character or the game that you you feel very comfortable with right that you're competent at you're com- competent at moving at that pace with that kind of aesthetic um it's you know, like if it's like there was a if there was a game room where you could play any game and you just keep walking in with your chessboard. You're like, I'm here to play chess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like even though yeah. you're playing with a new partner every time, like you're still playing the game that you play, like your way, like your approach. And you know, it's it's alluring because like then again, like the surprise starts to get limited. So even though you're like doing something that's unscripted, you're still limiting the amount of surprise. Mm, I love that. Yep. Right. So that's like a um a really tough thing to like challenge, I think, in people when, you know, there's winning involved, like in jujitsu or when there's specific aesthetics, at least aesthetic connotations involved, maybe in a certain form, like pole or something. Mm-hmm. But the, like the idea of like, it doesn't actually have to look like anything. It can, it can just be like, what it, what is, what is authentic to this moment right now? So like someone could do something improvised and I've, you know, you can watch it and you can be like, oh, that didn't feel like it was clearly unscripted, but it didn't feel authentic. And sometimes to me, that's the, the witnessing of like, not really listening, like not really yeah. listening to all the things that are happening that would like give that like proper reaction to that moment. Yeah. We're not listening all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we like I, that, that, that natural filtering, filtering is actually I feel like it's, it's kind of like what you could take in a particular moment and utilize in your experience. It's almost limitless. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so in some ways, what, what I think about is like, how can you just widen that a little bit um, mm-hmm. and, and notice and listen a little bit more. Cause we really do kind of, there's like a, blocking out most of it thing that happens. And particularly if you're like, okay, this is my aesthetic, this is my style. And this is the song I like this. I run into this a lot with so many preferences. Um, imagine like that that's more and more um, shielding you from like what's actually available mm-hmm. in the moment, like in the room, in the music or inside of your own, it's like inner landscape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're still kind of existing on one of your like inner plateaus. Like you haven't gotten a, like a little past your your story of who you are. It's also why I don't like yeah. practicing and I don't like practicing in places where there are mirrors. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not into the mirrors. I think that the mirrors <laughs> do us a small disservice. Well, Maybe it turns I'm- you into like Mario Brothers. People get really tooty. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I'm facing the mirror. I'm not facing the mirror. Like yeah, you yeah. lose the 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 three dimensional realm. <laughs> a yeah. little bit. And then you're looking at your you're looking at yourself, yourself, and and being reminded of who you think you are supposed to be. Mm. And like, but how do you it, how do you navigate that? Because I know you film, is you have yeah. content online. How yeah. do you feel like there's a connection between filming and mirrors? So they feel different to you. Uh, it feels different because it's not like, to me, and this is just personal to me, but I do think the filming has its own kind of scary issues with that too, as you can get caught up in your own, oh, well, this is something I do and look at how well I do that. I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah. But looking in a mirror in the moment is this like, it can take you out of like the, the moments where you've gotten out of your own way, where you're, where you're not, you're not 
making decisions because of who you think you are. The mirror is this moment where you catch yourself and be like, oh, that there you are. Oh, that's who you are. Oh, yeah, yeah, like be that person. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I um I've worked in a lot of studios where there's mirrors. There just are. Mm -hmm. And um it is it is fascinating to watch. And I if there are mirrors um and I'm there, I'm like maybe doing a workshop or something, I always address it. It's like it's not something that I don't talk about. It's like, let's actually talk about this. This is a tool. You are not required to look at it. It's actually fabulous. You don't look at it. Um, and I, when I watch people move, it's actually fascinating when to describe that exact moment you're talking about when they catch their reflection and what that looked like before and what it looked like immediately after mm -hmm. is really that moment. I wish I could slow it down and show them so fast. The difference is really stark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. There have been plenty of times where I've taught in places where there's mirrors and like just grab things and like stack stuff up to just like cover them up and be like, I just don't want anyone to like have to look at this, you know? Wow. When I, when I, when I was taking classes, when I was in theater school, when I was like 18, I was talking about this guy who's a genius. And I actually just ran into a friend of mine from college who I haven't seen in like 17 years. And she and I just geeked out over this one teacher who we like loved. And he was a genius. And I, I realize now like what we're talking about and what I feel like you present and, I, and what I present are basically what he was doing then. And I just couldn't understand what it was. I just thought it was amazing. Um, but it was always in a black box theater. There were no hmm. mirrors. It was just a black, a room, a black box room. Right. Hmm. And this is all he really taught. He'd like bang a drum. And she reminded me of some of his like famous quips that he would say, but he would be like, He'd say things like, we're, you know, we're here to keep the child alive inside of us. You know, we're here to dance without technique, like these types of things. Great. I love that. Um, and I think he even mentioned the mirrors. I think he was the first person to say, like, if you can cover up the mirrors in your house, cover them up. Wow. Which I just thought at the time I was like, oh, I'm a kid. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I really never had that experience. Like I, I come from um, such a traditional background of dance, you know, where it's like, it's, it's, I think the owner, the owner of the studio was, you know, was a rockette. It's just, was, I was exposed. Like what I do now is such an unlearning. Um, I love hearing that, that you, there was someone in your world who early on, I don't know how early this was college. You said, yeah, it's fabulous. He was, I mean, a, yeah. a real genius. And I, you know, again, also speaks to the idea that like so many of the great geniuses are people that no one will ever know who they are. They're just like, True. They're there for some people who like cross paths with them, but like, they're not, you can never find this person. He's just, you know, was this, it, this was theater comedy, class. theater, comedy. No, this is like, I, this is at UCLA. This was a theater class at their theater department. It was, a, it was, it was called movement or it was called vaudeville or something, but it was just, Oh, cool. It, it's really, it's in some ways it was just an improv class. It's really like all we're describing. He was just doing his version of that. You know, mm. like I, like I get the impression, like a lot of the things that you and I do are like not so dissimilar from each other. Cause I think philosophically, they're probably like wrapped yeah, around Yeah, when, when you tree. talk, it's, it's the, they're almost verbatim, almost the same things I've said or thought it's, yeah, there's a lot of overlap for sure. Yeah. And that's what he was doing. That's all he was doing. It's just a different, a different way, you know, um, mm. because it's the, it, to me, it's that idea of like, let's get out of our own way. Let's learn how to dance with life. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, like that's, we can do that. 
That's like literally my, uh, my Instagram top line thing that, uh, like getting in, dropping into your body and dancing with your life. Yeah. Wow. So how did you, so if you were in like a more traditional dance form Mm -hmm. before, and you said that you've been going, you like went through like a, or you call it like an unlearning, what was like the period or moment or kind of events that led you to be like, oh, I need to like break from whatever this way of that's systematized or is built around progressions or is linear or, or totally defined? Was there like something that was like, oh, this, this has to, there's something else. Mm. That's a great question. Um, and of course, like in answering it, I probably have to simplify things a lot. But I, yeah, I grew up, I, I had the, the traditional dance background. And at the time, you know, like the idea of a diversity of um, body types and all that stuff, we didn't really have that in like the 80s, 90s. And, and when I started in pole, it was also the way that you could journey through pole was re- like, there was one way it was like you competed and you know, the, there were these just super formulaic pathways I could take. And I never quite fit well in any of them. I was, I was on stage from three years old on. So, um, a lifetime of performative dance. Um, I think I, I, I burned out on that, that just the dance needing to be like visible and for the consumption of someone else. I think just the, the decades of doing that, um, caught up to me and I needed another way. Um, and in injury was probably another, uh, another factor for me. I, in, in pole, this was like 2010 or so when I started competing, cause it was like the only way to really showcase what you do and meet other people and network and whatever. And so I would compete and I would kind of run these routines. It doesn't really, the, the way that you create and run this routine over and over again, like my body just had all these injuries that happened as a result. Um, and I was craving, I think at some point, just craving community, craving, being able to be as I needed to be in my body and still belong and still have value rather than trying to, um, be me and fit. Uh, so, um, yeah, just at, at some point I was like, mm, it's time, you know, there's a moment I think in everyone's life, if, if you do sort of walk your own path where you step forward on it, you're like, okay, there was an, I've had all of these experience and now, and now I'm making choices. Um, and I, and I remember it started with just sending an email to the studio owners at the studio I worked at where I taught was teaching pull one, pull two, pull three, spin, pole, pole choreography. Um, and I said, you know what? I really want to try this class. And I, I don't even remember how I described it, but essentially wanted to do a, a freestyle class. And they were like, absolutely. Let's do it on Friday night. And they just started showing up for this class. Um, I did have some experience with improv. Like, I don't know if you know S factor, it's kind of a controversial brand these days. Um, I did do some of S factors pole dancing. They're really heavy into improv, um, in their own way. So I had that, had that permission from them, you know, I'd had that experience with them, but I just started trying shit 
we'd come into class, maybe there would be a theme and then I would try shit. Um, and that sort of naturally evolved where people came to it. I think it was like, I, I, I need to form my own community or find folks who like the things that I like. Um, now it's much more common at the time, um, like a sincere practice of improv. It, it, it wasn't really a thing, at least in my circles. So I did uh, really did just try things and over time found my way um, on what worked. I was quite ambitious to, um, to bring in emotion and like the, the cathartic release of dance into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have much more respect for the nervous system now than I did like 10 years ago when uh, we would, you know, we would explore and it would unlock something and feel really big. And now I, you know, I study somatic stuff and the idea of titration makes more sense to me. Like, okay, we're going to have an experience and come out of it. Um, but it was really, it was just like a fun, fun, um, journey of, yeah, finding my own way and my own voice. And now when I meet folks who are also in the, in the improv world, it's, it's all so similar. It's also mm-hmm. similar, like the, the things that are, that are important for, um, like the theory, mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of overlap. I wonder if there was just like a collective awakening that happened. Yeah, I don't think it's, I, I think it's, I think it's a lot of things that have been thought and said for a long, 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 long time, you know, and I think it matters in such a deep way because it has it, like, it, it's not just like, I think people get caught, get caught up on what they see, right? They just see movements happening or they see something physical going on and I'm, and, and, and I'm like, I get it, but we're really talking about a mindset. Yeah. We're really talking about like a way of, of moving through life, you know, and it can be explored through movement. It can be explored through dance. It can be explored through play. It can be explored through performance, right? There are so many different ways that this way of kind of being can be explored through meditation and like, and all of them are just as valuable. Like there's no one way. Right. But, right, absolutely. But in the world, I do think that the people who practice improvisation are like, it matters to the world, this mindset. Like, it's it's not like, it, I often feel like I'm like, the movements don't actually matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's about- the exper- It's the experience. Yeah. And, and it, the, yeah. and being able to like, walk into situations with options and when we do that, I think we, the world can look a lot different. I think we're going to be a lot more cooperative than, than competitive. You know, I think that yeah. we can, you know, because we want to beat something when we don't see all the options. Right. Cause it's scary. Yeah. And I love that it actually develops the, the self, like, and also develops the connection to others. So when you're practicing it, you're, 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 you're developing your own unique expression, but at the same time, you're not like doing it, um, to, you know, rank yourself amongst the rest. It's like, it celebrates that everyone, everyone belongs in their, in what they want to do and how they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's, it's the, the, you are enough, but not 
I've said this before, but like, I feel like you, maybe you can experience this, like having tots for, for so long as well. Like there's a lot of like movement situations, schools, classes, workshops that you go into where it's like, you're made to feel like you're not enough. Like someday you'll be enough. If you do enough reps of this, you'll be enough. And if you had done these things yesterday, today, you may have been enough, but you're not enough right now. Here's the things you can work on to become enough. Whereas like with this stuff, it's like, no, no, like every single person, the moment they like arrive and start doing it, you're like, you're enough, like right where you're at, like you can do this. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like, you, like you can Im- imagine that you're moving through honey. Everybody can imagine that in their own way and, right. and, and play with it. Like everybody can have their unique experience to this, like Elton John song. And, and it's all perfect. Yes. Um, I think the, the side tangent on that, uh, the, that feeling of not enoughness, it's really that I wonder about, um, maybe I shouldn't bring this up. Um, you don't have to, but you should go for it. The, the, t- a lot of that be- is perpetuated by the teacher. Of course. Coming into the space and saying, if I am an authority here, and I have, and I create the tension of like, I'm, I'm here and you're not here yet. It makes that person feel safer. It also continues to sell the, the experience of itself. And so I almost think it's like a, that issue is self-driving because um, it, yeah, I don't know. There's something about that, which why is why um, it's interesting to facilitate improv um, and just stand for a different, different way. But safe, I think safety comes in when it comes to that. Like, um, if you don't feel like you're enough, you'll just keep needing me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a so, super side tangent though. Yeah. Say that again. You said, if, if, if you don't feel like you're enough, you you'll need you'll, me. You'll keep needing me. Yes. Yes. You solidify sure. my position. Well, and this is, I mean, this is like big time. I think about this quite a bit. Like the idea that like, this is how we, like movement schools, dance schools, whatever they are, like they're in a business. It's a business and they need people coming back in the door, right? And like yep. toilet paper, right? You've got to <laughs> keep, you got to keep needing it, right? right? So like, unless I make you feel like, yeah, like you need me, Right. Then how, why would I make you feel like you're enough? Right. And if you did, if you, if you did reach a point where, um, you know, there was a, a point of satiation and you went on your journey, then I'm out. Then I, then, then I got to go find someone else to need me. Right. It's, it's, it's a constant cycle. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it becomes like a, a, a church in that way sometimes where it's just like, you're never actually getting anywhere. You're always just kind of like reinforcing the, the, you have to keep coming thing. Right. Right. As opposed to being like, Oh, like you've done the work and now you get to go off on your own and take like what's happened here. That's why I love like, um, I think like Alan Watts was talking about like, Carl Jung or something was talking about how Zen was very similar to psychotherapy in that way, where it's like, it's not this forever, like you keep showing up and having to like go through the rituals and doing the same thing all the time. The idea was like, you show up and you like do this work and then 
you leave and then other people who like need the support or the healing or the help like come in. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think about like more like apprenticeships in that way. Uh, I think I've probably brought it up on here before, but there's this great episode of uh, Chef's Table where this guy in Patagonia, who's this amazing chef who cooks in the ground, brings in, you know, different apprentices. And then there's always a day at some point where he shows up and just goes up to them and is like, you have to leave now. Your time's, your time's done. Kicks, kicks them out. I love that. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if, if, if we, if we like create this potential for, for autonomy or, or whatever the word is, then like it challenges kind of the, the status quo of, of businesses, you know? It's already happening anyway, though. It really is. You think so? I think so. Um, I, th- I, I feel maybe, maybe it's my own, um, skewed perception though, um, that we're getting wise to the fact that, uh, we're like learning from each other. And then there's actually a balance of exchange versus, um, going to a service provider and they're offering this and you're receiving this, the, the idea that like, we're both sort of giving and receiving, um, and the, the, the cycle, I don't even know how to, how to verbalize that, but the, the cycles of, um, and of moving where you're drawn, taking what you need, offering what you can offer, and then moving on to the next thing. Um, almost like a flow, essentially more flow, the opportunity for feeling more flow Mm -hmm. through the, through the service industry, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be way off though, but that, I mean, that makes sense to me that we would be moving towards that. Well, I know with certainty, it's not a fruitful endeavor in, on a financial level nope. in terms of the American, the American measure of success. Like this is definitely not what we're talking about, but in terms of like, to me, like sharing the the qualities that are worth sharing. Yeah. It's, it's the way to do it. You yeah. Know? It's, it's not, well, it would, it would have a big impact on the whole financial s- system mm-hmm. that yeah. way of living. Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree with you. Like, like the, 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 you need me when you're not feeling like you're enough, you need me, but that happens everywhere too. Like the, you're yeah. not enough. Like there's whole industries built on. You're not enough. I'm, not I'm actually like having a lot of uh, cognitive distance around this in my own work because I feel like we're moving. I want to move in that direction. I don't want to have to like be constantly en- enrolling and creating um, the, the whole idea that like, I, I have the thing that you need, or I have the, the tool for whatever. I, I don't, I'm not like fully bought into that anymore, but, but the system of like having a business and offering a service still kind of requires that to some degree. I'm, I'm, I'm still navigating it myself, but I can feel different impulses now. I feel, um, I, I'm with you. I'm so with you. I've said this, I had, maybe I talked to someone recently where I was talking about it, but like the idea that like, and maybe you relate to this, but the idea that, you know, to me, like not everything is supposed to be a commodity. Yeah. And like what we're talking about philosophically are things that like matter in the world. <laughs> really, I believe this. And if we lived in smaller communities, these ideas wouldn't be commodities because we would look at our 75 people and we'd be like, we all benefit by having an understanding of these ideas and these values. So it can't be a commodity. It just needs to be like what people have access to. Right. 
Right. You know? So like I've toyed now like with the idea like of like like at one point I taught for a long time and like charged nothing and it was like what does it look like with like this kind of like unspoken gift economy which was really interesting. You know I'm tempted to do something more that's like donation where it's like hey here's like a recommended donation but you can give whatever and everyone can come you know amazing i but love like, that but you know we're at the very least like doing workshops that are like accessible because things are really not accessible right and people want to maybe say oh it seems like it's accessible or people could work a little harder and i'm like i don't know i go to these workshops and you look around and everybody looks the same hmm. you know and it's like do you have any concerns around like supporting your own life daily yeah <laughs> That's why that, that impulse lives in me too. And then I'm at odds with, you know, like, uh, buying, you know, buying the things that I need to, to, to live and to feel pleasure and all that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah. There's a lot of forces against it too, being like, like telling us what we also think we need. Yeah. I, I, I used to travel a lot for work pre COVID mm -hmm. and now I'm just starting to, um, get back into that. And I was buying plane tickets all day yesterday and it, it just felt like a nightmare. Like, when did this get so expensive? Like I, this doesn't even feel accessible to me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, it's nuts. I have a retreat in August in Costa Rica and the flights are, you know, three or four times what they were a year ago. It probably has to do with the gas prices too, right? Isn't there something going it on? It does. It does. It yeah. does. But I mean, obviously everything's more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's trying to make up for the COVID losses. Yeah. Yeah. All these, yeah. That's uh, I'm flying to Europe and I yeah, don't you have know a tour. You have a tour coming up. I have a tour. I have a tour. Oh, I, um, but thankfully I was in a position where I had enough points to, to get the full thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I can't, I can't necessarily relate on the price of tickets at this point, but I imagine it's very expensive. It is. What do your retreats look like? They, they evolve a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I actually thought about that when you were talking about how you said something like, you know, if you give someone a, an invitation to move through honey, you know, mm -hmm. metaphorically speaking, um, I thought about my retreat because last year we were in Costa Rica. Um, it was my first retreat since early 2020. And um, this, we were in a room and we're the most diverse uh, room of movers I've ever worked with. Like mm -hmm. there were people who had taken a 10 year hiatus off of dance, lifelong movers, two, three year hobbyists, someone who's like never been to a dance class in their life, all in the same room. And I remember just like something deep in my, my soul makeup was so charged by that. Like, holy shit, we can all cohabitate and move together. And there were so many different things happening in the space. And I've like, I don't know, I have never been prouder yeah. um, of that, like having that experience and everyone belonged. And I mean, you know, there's unique challenges with that, like certainly in the, from the facilitator side, but it was like, so like, that's what I, that's, what's interesting to me now is like how we can all inhabit the same space. That's so amazing. I think it's beautiful. I think it's so important too, because I think people sometimes think like, well, I'm a high level, whatever. So I should only be 
with that level doing this, this thing. But it's like, before you're that thing, you're a human being. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're human, human first. Yeah. And like, we need to be able to walk in and have verbal and nonverbal interactions with all the different levels of human beings. Right? And so who's like, not to say that that, that person wouldn't be really like-minded with the brand new person and that they mm-hmm. wouldn't have something to give each other. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I witness it all the time. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, to me, it's, 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 it's not about these aesthetics or anything. It's about communication. It's like, well, how do we like find our way of like communicating with all the different types of people and all the different types of scenarios in all the different types of spaces? Well, I'm, so cur- I'm so curious about something with your, your methods. Mm-hmm. Um, what you have movement and you have dance, like what's yeah. happening in your infinite play? Like, do you feel like you're dancing? Are you just kind of moving your bones? Like, uh, what, are they, do they kind of go in and out? Like mm. what it, it is, what do you identify with in the space? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 more and more, I start to identify with communication. So like we have all these different ways, right, of communicating. Like like I say, we can play, we can dance, we can fight. And the distance between all of them is not that far. You okay. Know? Um, and you could play competitively, you could dance competitively, you can fight competitively, but I, I'm not interested in the competitive piece. I'm more interested in like, what does it look like to do those things cooperatively? So I could be com- being combative with somebody, but I, I'm going to have we're all going to have more success if we do it cooperatively. So it's just a different type of communication rather than um, it being about the the competitive component. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I'm interested in, in, in exploring all the different ways that we can explore that element of surprise. And, and it has nothing to do with the content. It has everything to do with just being like, we're just going to keep walking into spaces where we're going to like learn the welcome surprise. And every once in a while we play with kind of this balance between like the defined and undefined, but it's like, that's, that, that's, that's the whole thing. So sometimes like, sometimes I'll, I'll tell everybody, I'm like, you know, in this situation, like you can be a fighter or you can be a clown or you can be a dancer and you can switch between all three of them at the same time. And that's all fine, you know, and if there's one world that you lean into, maybe lean into the other one. If you're the dancer, what happens if you're the clown or the fighter, you know? So it's like, you know, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not about necessarily any, any forms or styles or anything like anything that I present is also just like how I do it, you know, but that's not what I expect of anyone else, you know? Um, So when you're, let's say you're, you're, you know, you're dancing on video, you're in the park somewhere you're dancing or you're moving. Do you, it sounds like maybe inside of yourself, you have this neutrality of like, maybe I'm dancing, maybe I'm hundred percent, hundred percent. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. No. But I mean, lately I've, I've been in like, kind of like enthralled by like dance because it's probably the space that I spent the least amount of time in, in my life. Hmm. Um, probably spent more time as like clown and fighter. So it's really nice to like get to dance, but then like, yeah, I, if I see a game kind of emerge, like I just play, you know, if I feel kind of like the hardness and kind of like the more kind of um, call it like 
aggressive athleticism like oh like i'm like well that's that, that's welcome too yeah i'm just i, I don't i don't commit to that i i commit to I, I i commit to constraints i don't commit to like uh aesthetics gotcha yeah so i'll pick like a, you know like an example might be like i might pick like a concept right like maybe the moving through honey thing and i'll just like play with that and maybe i'll pick like a like a single move and then I'll just see, okay, well, what happens if for five minutes, I just like play with this concept and this move. Mm. Yeah. But that's also, you know, just a small fraction of what I might present at, when I do like a big infinite play workshop. You know, the right. workshop is more just like, how do we kind of explore all of it? You know, and it's always in relation to, as you said earlier on, it's everything's in relation. Yeah. Right? I'm not interested in strength, mobility, and moves. I'm interested in creative, adaptable, and cooperative. And then the other stuff emerges from that. Yeah. I mean, that when I hear it, it's, it's, it's such a strong kind of ethos. It really is. I, mm -hmm. um, it's interesting now that the, I, I've been teaching online for a while and, um, now there are people who come who are pole dancers and some aren't pole dancers. So it's been really interesting to create kind of like move a, a moving environment that, could address the use of a prop, but doesn't have to, and sort of like how you can be more and more and more inclusive mm. of all kinds of um, ways of moving. Yeah. So what, what, are, what are some ways that you go about it or that you've navigated that? Well, there's things I have had to let go of. When I did more pole assisted stuff, it's really fun and easy to address the interaction with the pole. And when it's not there, if I can't make an assumption that there's something to push pull against, mm -hmm. let's say someone's just like standing in the middle of an empty room, mm -hmm. um, it, it does mean that I, I, I can't address certain specific things and it has to be more and more. Um, I think my, one of my teachers in the systemic realm said this yesterday. I love this, I wrote it down, artfully vague. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be artfully vague because then that offers someone permission to go where they want to go um, and to take what they want to take and to like play in the way they want to play. So I, I think that that's what's happened naturally is I've had to become more artfully vague or concepts that are more universal, like ideas that are, that would work um, with all across genres, like across styles, across genres, across what kind of assistance you have, like prop wise, how mm. much big one for me online is regardless of how much space you have. Because mm -hmm. some people have like, you know, dedicated spaces. Some people have like a little spot in front of their couch and, and, and they want to practice too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but no, it's interesting. I mean, but I mean, all of those constraints are just so, I don't know. The constraints are like where the mat, where the magic is. And like the, the constraints are where the magic is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And also like everybody's imperfections and how they respond to their imperfections rather than trying to fix their imperfections. And it could be the imperfections in their space, which is like a, a constraint, but we'll call it an imperfection or the imperfections or perceived imperfections because there's none in their bodies if 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 we don't try to fix them but maybe play with them we might discover our magic yes yes mm -hmm. something that i would do often when i was kind of working this muscle um, of making kind of content that's adaptable in a session is i would 
um, maybe take an idea and see how many ways that I, I could do it. Could I do this? Could I do this prompt just like sitting on a yoga mat and moving my arms? Could I do this prompt with inversions and pole assists? Could I do this prompt with the ball? Could I do this prompt taking a walk? Like, it's interesting to me, like, does it still work? Mm-hmm. And when the answer is yes, like it's, it's exciting. I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's beautiful. And that's like, I don't know. It's so funny because it's not as, I, this is something I, I feel like I end up saying all the time. It's not as Instagrammable, this type of stuff, like what we're <laughs> talking about. It does not get likes, but it matters so much more in terms of like how we all move through life together and how we're prepared to interact with one another, interact with the spaces that we live in. Right. Yes. It's and like, you're it's so you're important. It's so important. So, yes. Yes. Um, you land on something so interesting because uh, back in the day when we would do these surveys with the studio that I work for, um, we would survey the students, like, what do you want in a class? What's interesting to you? Um, what has the most value? And I remember putting a couple of my values in the survey, like um, partner work and things like that. And that would always rank so low in the survey. Um, the things that I know end up creating the most meaningful experience for that person or that person feeling um, uh, included in the space in, in a particular kind of way. Like, and, and if someone's going to do a survey, they're going to be like, okay, I want to learn these tricks. And I want, you know, the, 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 you can probably guess what the top billing answers were, but the cooperative, uh, aspect, at least it was in a pole studio, of course, which it is a little bit like person centric. It's you in the pole, but the cooperative stuff was really, really voted low. Um, but I, I knew from being with people that it wasn't ranked low when they were in the space. Right. You know because I mean? I mean, you've gone through this, like, I mean, you've, you've done what you do for a really long time, which means you've like definitely learned some crazy moves and I've learned some crazy moves in my time doing things. And I've been super excited when they've happened. I don't want to take anything away from like that really exciting moment where I've like done something crazy that I practiced for a long time. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, and it's a different feeling and a deeply moving feeling when you feel listened to and when you've listened and and an authentic interaction happens between you and a moment, which could be a person or a situation or something. And I often, you know, reference like going to watching like a break dancing competition and people are doing crazy, crazy moves and all this stuff and people are loving it and getting into it. But somehow like someone who does something that involves the listening to the music, like a reference and does like a very stupid little small movement that like refers to a line in the song as it's happening. Yeah. Gets a much bigger response sometimes than the one crazy move, you know, and that happens where it's like you work with a partner and it's a nonverbal moment and like you both sync up and something happens and there's this like beautiful little exchange that's not even crazy. You can never Instagram it at all. And you're just like, oh, that was beautiful. That was exciting. It's like when people are done doing funny partnering things, when they roll jujitsu, they feel inclined to give each other a hug because it's like, oh, like, oh, that was beautiful, you know? And it's like, yeah. you can't Instagram it in the same way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's never an or, it's an and right? It's like, oh, you can practice the moves and 
you can explore your potential for, for listening and being listened to. And they, and they go together. Yeah. You know what I hear when you say that it's just mirroring. It's like, it feels so good to, to mirror something and to be mirrored, not in the like, okay, I'm pointing to my mirror right now, not in that <laughs> sense, but the sense where we like, we, we get to um, see and be seen. I, I think of it similarly when you say, listen and be listened to it's so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important as a, as a human living yeah. amongst other humans. Right. It has nothing to do with Instagram. It has nothing to do with like, yeah. The other things I, you know, uh, you know, fighting monkey. Are you familiar with them? S- somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big fan. I think their stuff's awesome. And I had Yosef, uh, he and his wife created fighting monkey and I had him on the podcast and he said it so beautifully. He was like, you know, I'm interested in, in us exploring, not just hearing, but listening and yeah. not just looking, but seeing and not just mm-hmm. touching, but feeling. And that's the interaction. It's not just a, a separated thing. It's like, it's interacting. It's reactionary. It is. And you're actually receiving something. Mm-hmm. Like something's actually coming in to your space. Yeah. It's like when, you, when, you, when, you're, when you're listening, you're prepared to offer an and. When you're mm-hmm. hearing, right? You're just like letting it kind of like fall across you and you're grabbing what you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This makes me miss so much. I did a lot of partner work in my in-person work and through COVID, I haven't been um, in spaces with people. I've been here by myself on mm-hmm. Zoom and I really sincerely miss um, sharing space with people in freestyle. So I, I hope to, to be doing more of that in the future because I can attest to um, making the most of this, but like the isolation is real. And I, and my body is reflecting that and I can feel that. That's what we have to do. We have to meet up so we can practice some partnering. Yeah, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I know, I mean, I need to come down to, uh, to Brooklyn and yeah. I mean the city, I, I, I moved out of the city. I lived in the city for 13 years. Mm-hmm. I moved up here to the, to the Hudson Valley totally reaping the benefits of living up here. I'm not going to deny that, but I do miss like the stimulation and the resonance with people that I, mm-hmm. you can only get in New York. Yeah. It's so unique. Yeah. Like getting to be back here for a little bit now after being away for almost two years, yeah, pretty, two years for COVID. It's like, I've like re-fallen in love with the city. Cause I like you, I mean, I moved oh, here cool. in 2005, so it was 15 years and then COVID and then gone. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. And talk about having to like, you know, improvise for real on a daily basis. Navigating New York is a whole nother yes. level. Wow. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you have coming up other than your retreat that people could uh, do or participate in or sign up for or, or keep a lookout for? Yeah. So I have the retreat in Costa Rica. It's in August. There's six more rooms left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called soul movement. And it's a, it's a pretty juicy facilitator team because I have a, a partner I work with who is a, a somatic therapist and a psychologist. So we do all this like trauma-informed mindfulness and that's really cool. Um, we also bring a photographer and some um, a, another movement facilitator. So it's like, it's a really cool team to, and so that's my only in-person scheduled at the, at the moment. But finding your freestyle turns 10 this year. And so... Thank, oh, thank you. Um, I would love to do something. I, I might as well just drop a hint. I, I'm looking to do potentially an event 
maybe uh, an intensive that celebrates the 10 years and maybe uh, a kind of a show jam of freestyle in the city somewhere um, where people can come and like get prompted from the audience, very similar to comedy improv, but movement. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't done that kind of stuff in a long time. So I, I have aspirations to do that in the fall in the city. Oh, so nice. it's still cooking. Otherwise, right now I'm online um, and I'm talking to studios to do some light traveling, um, but that's all still like currently in the works. So the best the best way to get notified is is go to findingyourfreestyle.com, scroll to the newsletter and get on the newsletter, um, and I'll I'll be putting all that stuff in there. Um, the other thing I'd I'd love to mention is I do have like an online membership, mm -hmm. um, which will open back up in the midsummer for enrollment. Awesome. And that's for the online, for what you teach online. Yeah. It's kind of like, if I find that people like it as a kind of a secondary community, maybe they already are affiliated with the studio, they have their own practices, but here's like a virtual community mm -hmm. for, for movement. Um, but it's also really great for people who don't have any community for, for free movement. It's, um, it's uh, like we do community events, met virtually of course and then cl a couple classes a month um, mm -hmm. and I, I launched that in January it's closed right now Marlo is going to be guest teaching for it I'd love to have you come and guest teach totally do it oh my gosh yeah let me know when sign me up okay I'm so I'm gonna yeah. um, get on the get on the email afterwards that would be amazing um, Anna Grunstrom is another facilitator in New York that I adore she's wonderful she's guest teaching our members class tonight oh amazing yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then at some point in the future, we should like collaborate on something. I feel like we should like teach uh, or facilitate a, a, like a weekend together. I feel like it would be really rock and roll. Yes. Yes. That would be great. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. Can you tell I'm like, I'm starved for. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm ready. I'm like, I, as I'm finishing this, I'm like, no, we have to do something together. It would be a tragedy for all of us <laughs> if it didn't happen.